Welcome to That Sucks by Handshake Media, a podcast about the, when the things you love let you down. And uh, like my speech, like, um, like Dan's uh, speech. Um, and I've brought in the perfect man, Mr. Anthony Cormican. Good evening. Welcome. To really sum that up. Oh, well, no, I'm joking. I don't mean that. Hatred is my game. Hatred, yes, finally. Yes. So, what do you do? You play the guitar sometimes. I play the guitar sometimes. You write a music sometimes. Indeed. Mm. You. Uh, what else do you do? I, I write the music, film, TV, guitar, sing, play, all of that. Well, you, you write the sing. I write the sing. I do. I recently wrote a sing, Ooh, and they sang it. A new sing. Uh, <laughs> I sing. We all sing. Shall we sing? <laughs> Perfect. That was, that was really good. I like that. <laughs> that was the most disgusting <laughs> harmony I've ever heard in my life. Uh, you briefly touched on there today's topic. Uh, you mentioned that you do uh, music for film and TV. Yes. What's uh, Give us some more details on, on that quickly. Sure. Uh, based in LA, uh, write uh, placement music, library music, and also music f- literally for cues for film and TV uh, from all genres right through from orchestral to rock to jazz to you know, simple stuff to the whole catastrophe. Right. So it's good. And anything we would have heard your music in? Uh, my music is in hundreds of TV shows and films, and most of it I am not aware of because they just pay me the money. They don't necessarily tell me what it's money. in. <laughs> uh, I have music in TV shows such as Vampire Diaries, The Originals, uh, Jack and Ozzy's World Detour. Apparently, uh, according to my royalty statements, my music's very big in Finland cinema. Ah, <laughs> yeah, you'd be celebrity. Over so there. I'm not quite sure what that means, but uh, you know, I'm 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 finished. <laughs> However, most recently, I worked with a friend of mine in LA on a film called Hyperion, uh, which will be coming out soon, mm-hmm. starring mm-hmm. the guy from The Princess Bride. Ooh, yes, Mandy uh, Patinkin. No, the the handsome Andre prin- the Giant. The ha- that's him. Handsome in a thyroid sort of way. Yeah. Uh, the, What's that guy's name? The Handsome Prince. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I get him mixed up with the other guy from that other movie. Right. Not Superman. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Superman. This is what was the movie this is, Superman this, was in? This is derailing very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> the movie Superman was in? I think that was Superman. <laughs> yeah. No, the new Superman, not the oh. Superman from the other one or the one before that. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, it's outside my wheelhouse, it's a I'm princess. sorry. It's a princess, he's a, like a prince. Mm. Um, so on topic today, so we brought sure. Anthony into our, uh, to talk to us about film scores in particular because it is something that you do and it's something that presumably you love. Indeed. Um, I spent some time with Anthony in LA a couple of years ago and I believe he drove me around a lot, which is very kind of him. And I think we listened to the Back to the Future soundtrack <laughs> exclusively. We did. All Good day, call. every day. And that's... Something that you do, or I, I know you've done for a long time, and that's one of your favorite sort of indeed, scores. Indeed. You know, being that we are quite good friends, and uh, mm-hmm. I know how much you hate everything. Uh, uh, it, this op- is true. Oftentimes in our discussions, <laughs> the uh, uh, new film music is something that you, you happen to complain about. So, uh, sure. Dan's in now. He's invested. I'm in. You got me. I'm hooked. You're, you're feeling this, aren't you? So, so okay. Yeah. What, uh, at what point did you realize, man, I'm starting to really hate all this stuff? Can I, before we start this hatred, I'd just like to add <laughs> the reason we listened to Back to the Future exclusively is because mm-hmm. it was stuck in my CD player in my car. Oh, is that right? Yes. I didn't know that. I thought <laughs> no. that just because you liked it so but much. I, I have come to love it greatly, but I think that helped. But so you loved it <laughs> originally be, and yes. then you, you liked it less because you heard it and then you loved it because it's the only thing you would listen to. Correct. Yeah. So I thought that was important. So sorry. Yes. At what point were you sitting in a movie or watching TV and going, ugh. <sighs> 
that sucks. That's what you. That's the podcast. Yeah, style. that's prob- probably where I should have driven that. Yeah, yes. I thought you were going for Thank it. Thank you but for you catching it. that. Yeah. Gosh, what a loaded question. Every movie I've seen in the last ten years. Really far and, out. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not being hyperbolic with that. Uh, I actually, I actually mean that. As Troy said, big fan of Back to the Future. Alan Silvestri, Forrest Gump. Uh, are you familiar with these? I've seen that these movie. scores. Um, music that becomes a character in a film. Back to the Future, if you can imagine Back to the Future without the theme and the score, it would be a very different experience. Mm. I found I find that almost every movie I see recently, ex- especially, and I'm sure this is going to make you put on the boxing gloves, especially the Marvel movies uh, and the superhero movies, the scores are, they sound great, they're completely functional, and they have the appearance of being grand and grandiose, but they are, in effect, vacuous and uh, just banal, in my opinion. All right. That's a... The Marvel thing is a good place to start, I think, because, mm. well, I mean, we've talked about the superhero movies probably about every single podcast we've done. <laughs> right. Um, Fuck you, Marvel. And and when you say that, uh, honestly, if I try and hum any theme song to any of those movies, I can't really do it. So that's a, probably a pretty good uh, yeah. start. I would I would say that's, you know, that's quite indicative of how I feel about it. You know, we go back to, you know, Star Wars has... The theme that everyone can oh, sing, yeah. Superman, yep. of course, and so on and so on. All those themes, people like John Williams. Alan Silvestri, who is one of my heroes, he did the Avengers. He did Endgame, uh, that's right. Endgame, which I saw I saw with you. In yeah, fact. and that's the that was my, uh, oh, let's, let's go see this movie because yeah. I know you probably haven't seen these other movies, but you yeah. at least like the score. I, I enjoyed the movie very much, and the score was very functional. It, it functional? Sounds, yes. It sounds so sterile. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you. Yes, that's exactly how I... It, it does what it does. It, it creates a mood, and that's about it. But isn't that sort of the sole purpose, or no? Creating uh, well, a mood, or outside of that, is it meant to do other things that we're not sort of privy to as just casual cinema goers? I, I think there are no rules, of course. I don't think you can say that it has to be this or that or the other, like you can with any music. Music is what it is. If you like it, it's what you do. However, my beef is that, and this is a huge generalization, but I I think it's mostly true commercially, is that most music is becoming very, very harmonically and melodically um, banal. Very, very, the, the boundaries are very small now. And it's not to say that every good piece of music needs to be complicated or harmonically off the planet. It doesn't. But when everything is like that, we get this, you know, everything's just the same. And that's mm. how I feel. Everything sounds the same. And more and more so, particularly in film scores, which I thought would be the last bastion of musicality and uh, creativity, mm. even they're suffering greatly. And and composers like Alan Silvestri, who I love, who has written two of my most uh, beloved scores is also going down this direction. And I assume it's the powers that be that are directing him in this, in this direction. So how would that play out? Like what would stifle their creativity in such a way behind the scenes? Well, I, I think, you know, uh, art for art's sake is no longer a thing. I think it's art for consumer's sake is what we do now. And music, television, movies, scores, they're all designed to make money primarily, which is a great thing. We all need to make money, and that's a good 
thing to do. However, I think that's kind of overtaken the aesthetics and is uh, sort of defining uh, attitudes towards what might, will and won't sell. You know, mm. so they're they're being so safe, if you will, um, that they're precluding potentially good art and music. So it's the audience's fault. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. And it's kind of funny to think that with the amount of money that I mean, just to talk, I don't want to talk about specifically about comic book movies, but you think of um, the budgets, you Ooh. think of the amount of money they make, you think about sure. the amount of time they have and the resources for them for what you're saying for mm. them to have everything in the world to be able to create something original and for it to all sound exactly the same mm. it just it really makes you wonder like what would it take for something to be completely kind of just out of the off mm. the wall and make it i guess the the of uh, the uh the superhero ones we can think of guardians of the galaxy was pretty individual but that's really because mm. it was underscored by pop sure. music yeah essentially but that's more of a soundtrack as opposed mm. to a film score yeah. right is that is a difference there between yeah no that that's more yeah it's... batman forever you know, what? Batman Forever. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Sure. Kiss from a Rose and that good U2 song. Oh, yes. That's Kiss. the last time I can... Re- I mean, you know... That Kiss, kill me, see, love me. Love me. What the... <laughs> uh, no, that's the last time I can remember being like, yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. soundtrack. It's not really like a, yeah. um, like a score or anything like that. I kind of yeah. hate when movies do that. When I saw Suicide Squad, that did the exact same thing. It was just, mm. uh, here's a Credence song, here's a this that song to underscore the moment. There's like not really any... But why do you well, think that? I mean, I find that really interesting. When I saw Garlands of Galaxy, I thought the same thing. Why is it when they do that, they choose songs from, you know, 30 years ago? I think just because it's nostalgia right now, right? right it must right. be. Because did you see Captain Marvel? I had, yes. Did you, but did I mean, you like that, that was set in the 90s, right? Or 80s. So they had to. Set kind in the of like early that. 90s. But and I mean. The like the big moment of that, I remember like when she sort of finally self actualizes Come As You Are is playing in the background. I kind of had a moment, like, oh, that's a cool song, but also. Uh, I don't need this. Yeah. There was too many like little nods to, oh, it's 1992 or something. Mm-hmm. We need to have a Nirvana song. We need to have a fucking whatever song in the back. I just didn't really dig that so much. I also mm. think perhaps that uh, they use the the older music because music today just totally sucks. Well, that, that's my certainly my impression as well. I think music today, and there's a lot of great stuff, don't get me wrong. I'm going to generalize again, but a lot of the commercial stuff is emotionally null. Mm. And to you know, when you're in a film, obviously the older stuff tends to have that feel, both yeah. for nostalgia and just for sonic and you know emotional quality. Which, yeah, I, I what I feel about film scores, I very much believe about modern pop music as well. Yeah, outside of the like a superhero movies, what's the general trend or gist? Is the is the whole industry sort of doing the, the same thing, or are there certain pockets that aren't succumbing to these I, terrible ways? I, I have a friend in LA who's possibly one of the biggest songwriters in the world and he's written songs that everyone would know and I had this conversation with him because I thought well he's the guy and I said something to the effect of why you know and he's a talented talented guy and he knows what he's doing uh very musically proficient I said why do you write songs that are this way when you have all this talent and musicality and he said because they don't take anything else if I write something that's musical, in inverted commas, it doesn't get through the, the, the process. So we simplify everything to the bare minimum, and that's what you get. And they pay me, you know, millions of dollars to do it. Hmm. Money speaks again. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's, it's people up the chain who aren't musical people, perhaps. It's just business. Like you, like you said before, it's, you know, yeah. if it doesn't sell, then... 
Yeah, if it doesn't sell, then we're not interested at all, even that, if it's artistically, you know. Yeah, is that like a reflection of the audience, though? Because if the, they're just looking at figures, if you think about it, like the businesses, I guess. I, I think it's a recursive sort of thing. I think the audience gets what they're given, and then that determines what they like, and, and it goes around like that. Yeah, you know? slowly snuffing the life out of our <laughs> film and film scoring industries. Perhaps. I mean, the great thing, about, although, on the other hand, is that we do have things like Spotify and YouTube where you can go and find all this other stuff. I think today it's more possible than ever before in the history of music for independent people to do their thing and get it out and actually, you know, profit from it artistically and financially. That just wasn't available 20, 30 years ago like mm. it is today. But it's come at a cost, I think. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned before Endgame. When you go to a film and the score is below par or not that great, does it ruin the movie for you as well? I think, uh, like Troy said previously, I mean, it doesn't ruin the movie, it, but it doesn't enhance the movie. Mm. You know, when you go and see Star Wars, uh, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, by the way, but you can't deny the music, you know. And there's such great movies all through all through history that have music that really defines it and sometimes defines the whole genre. Uh, Ennio Morricone, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, where the music becomes principal to the the storytelling, for example. And there are countless examples of stuff like that. I find that that is no longer even in the realm of filmmaking. Uh, It's certainly in the blockbusters. Well, there's like, so I guess some movies you you quote, like Wayne's World and Mm -hmm. things like that, whereas other movies like Indiana Jones, you Mm -hmm. hum the theme. Yeah. And that's sort of like, the equivalent of quoting something over and over again. Sure. Whereas, and if a film doesn't have that, like, what are you going to quote? Tony Stark talking to Spider-Man. I fucking hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's funny because like, I, I find that I've never really spent a lot of time, despite mm. working in music and audio and all this sort of stuff, one thing that I never, ever, ever concentrate on is the sound whatsoever in film or TV. Mm. And I don't just mean the music. I mean the, uh, the sound effects, the... Mm. Uh, the di- I obviously concentrate on the dialogue, the content of the dialogue, but I never really focus on it. Mm. It's really strange. Maybe in the last like 12 months, my ear has picked up on it a little bit in the music right. because it's something I don't listen to. I don't understand. I'm, I'm trying to understand it a little bit more. Sure. But it's I, I very much put myself in the dumb category of sheeple. But, but I would say know, that like a really well-crafted film score, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't need to listen for a film score. It should be... It should do its job and you should come away humming the melody, as you say. Mm. Um, and, you know, not every film score needs to be this grand. Mm. But work. I guess my point might be that I still leave movies and mm-hmm. TV as well, still enjoying them. Sure. So I, I wonder from my perspective, maybe from other people's perspective, mm. like if the at this point in time, maybe the music, it really just doesn't matter. Maybe that's the phase that we're in because... Well, I mean, this is yes. career, but whatever. Well, yeah, but that's... <laughs> no, but I, I, I would agree with that. I think music certainly has less value than it once had. And I think you're probably right. Yeah. I wonder if, if you think about, <laughs> hopefully this is not going off the map too much, but mm. if you think about, you know, a, a film is just a piece of paper mm-hmm. and you can fit so much information on that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And because we're so overblown with visual effects and sure, uh, I don't know what else it could be at the moment. If it's a Marvel movie and you've got like 8,000 superstars mm-hmm. in one place at one time, if you're just being, that is where your senses are being overloaded. Therefore, there really just isn't room to sneak that extra like character in of the music. Or maybe that's just again me thinking, overthinking a bit too much. And um, yeah, I mean that's certainly possible. But I think a, a good composer can work around that kind of thing. Mm. And and you know, as I say, music. If if you're really aware of it, 
then maybe it hasn't functioned correctly. Right. Mm. It should deliver the emotion without going, here I am, and ha- waving its hands. And, you know, that's the art of it. You feel the emotion without being drawn to, oh, it's the third bassoon, you know. Yep. Uh, but uh, I agree with you. I think, uh, yeah, the focus is certainly not on that these days. Um, and, you know, when you look at the movies from the 50s and the 60s and the focus was on very ornate music, it can actually work against it sometimes. Right. Because it it's almost intrudes sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, it's... Well, the- are there some movies over the past five, ten years that you specifically can point out as like they did this really well? This this score like elevated the movie and. Uh, that, that, that's that's a hard question to answer. Um, uh, personally, for me, no, nothing that competes with what came out in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, um, there's certainly good films and good scores, but. I guess it's the uh, the approach is so fundamentally different that I guess what I enjoy or what I consider a good score doesn't really get done very much anymore. To your point, if I was to pick something that mm. kind of demonstrates, because you said like the last 10 years maybe is, mm. yeah. The, the last score that I can really think of or the last like really defined theme mm-hmm. that I can hum at any time would be Harry Potter. Ah, yes. And the first movie was like maybe 2001-ish or 2002, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. I, w- I rewatch those movies a lot because they're very easy to digest. You put them on the background. You can still be on your yeah. phone and just still, mm-hmm. you know, watch the movie. But as you look at that entire series go past, as the movies, mm-hmm. as that decade draws on and you get to, I think, maybe 2011-ish is when the, the last movie came out. Mm-hmm. I can't really... That is very functional music. Absolutely. um, And uh, funnily enough, obviously, John, that's a John Williams score and theme. And as they went on, they used another uh, composer. And that's right. Ah. Because he didn't, I know he did that theme, but he didn't. um, And and he couldn't or didn't reuse the themes. And so I think there was a bit of litigious stuff in there as well. All that being said, yes, the score devolved over time. And I think it devolved for that exact reason. Audiences were changing. Uh, the industry, what they were trying to put out was changing. But the funny thing is, I mean, Harry Potter is definitively that theme. You know, yeah. when you think of Harry Potter, that theme. And if you've been to Harry Potter land, everywhere you walk, you hear it and you feel the. I mean, it sounds kind of silly to say, but you feel the magic and the fantasy when you're walking around, you know? Yeah, I get that. And I just find, and to me, that's the power of that, you know? And when it, as soon as the movie starts, the sound and that theme, you're like, ah, oh, here I am. And I know, you know. Mm. But I just find current movies, they sound the same, but they don't have the same depth of emotion or something. Yeah. And like with current movies and all these awards, you know, huge awards, ceremonies in the US. And Mm -hmm. what does like best film score really mean these days when it comes to... (laughs) Yeah. I I, I think best film score is equivalent to best new act in the uh, Grammys. (laughs) It's just how many people you knew. And yeah, uh, again, without saying too much uh i don't know if i would value the opinion of people on those boards or those um who are adjudicating shall we say yeah when you see the people who are choosing best film score uh and then you see what musical qualifications they have often it's quite alarming yeah right. leave it at that so how does that like working in an industry where you have to kind of fit this mold for your music how do you deal with that when you're trying to produce music and be creative, but you have to abide yeah. by these strict guidelines. I Only recently, only since I moved to LA, I've been in LA about seven years, only since I got to LA have I really become very, very aware of 
uh, this fact with my own music because my whole life I've written music. It's maybe a little left of center. Uh, when I got to LA, no one's interested. Hmm. Just not interested. So, you know, for me personally, it was quite a journey of like, oh my, what am I doing? Am I, do I, is it me? And yes, it is me. Uh, but you're in a game and you can't win the ga- you can't get in the game unless you play the game. So the way I do it is I write music for money and then I write music for myself. And the two things sometimes overlap, but often and mostly they don't coincide. Mm. So the, the music I write for money, it has enjoyment, but I write it to the specifications of the director or whoever it is. And um, that, what I get paid, finances my own music. And that may or may not have its own... Uh, it's surprising. I've done tracks 20 years ago that get picked up now and you know i've even forgotten about them and people use them and i'm like oh wow (laughs) don't even remember writing that one so i can't predict what is and what isn't and it's so fad based as well you know Mm. like tomorrow Mm. there could be a new thing and it could be the thing that i'm doing you know who knows fingers crossed finger yeah fingers crossed so that's a good question Mm. well thank you you're welcome wow don't get used to it dan please uh We've been talking about film a lot. What about television? Is there anything, is there any similar, is it a different sort of? Completely different. Completely different. Completely different. Most of the television stuff I've done, there's two types. There's um, underscore, which, you know, yep. is, is nothing music. I mean, that's, that is really functional music, right? It is. And that's like definitively functional music yep. and it's meant to stay out of the way. It's just meant to create an atmosphere or whatever. And so that's very easy to do. Literally, you can sit at a keyboard and pump out, you know, 100 cues and you send them off and yep. away you go. Mm. Um, or you write a song for spec, like a singer, songwriter sort of thing for, mm-hmm. a, you know, a scene in a, in a TV show. I also do that. But mostly the TV show stuff are done through music supervisor libraries. So I don't actually get the show to write to the vision. They just say, we want something like this, this long. I write it, send it to them, and then they either approve it or don't approve it. Mm. But yeah, it's very little interaction. I was just thinking this before, when we look at TV being in such a golden age of what mm. it is, if that's what we're kind of used to, like if TV music is, is functional, like mm. it, it just needs to underscore whatever's happening but not really mm-hmm. serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. And TV has taken this like grand like mantle now where in many ways it is like, you know, it's, it's starting to overtake film in terms of its importance. Like, you know, everyone saw Game of Thrones, everyone's watching mm-hmm. Westworld or whatever TV series, Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes you wonder, like, uh, is that perhaps why the film stuff is less uh, prominent? Like, why it matters so much? Because people, uh, they're spending all their time watching these TV series that it just exists. It isn't a... I think that's, a, that's actually a good observation. I think TV is completely cinematic now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in almost every respect. Uh, a lot of TV has cinematic score as mm-hmm. well. And because the budget of television is a lot less, the cinematic score has to be produced for a lot less money, which yep. means less resources. And it's mostly done by one guy in a tight time frame yep. on a computer. So all the orchestral stuff, everything is, you know, it's minimized in that sense. So we're getting these um, pseudo cinematic backdrops to television, which sound good, and they're functional, but they're not real. You know, they're just programmed. There's no character. There's no character, yeah. but it does the job. And, you know, you ever watch a documentary and you just hear that orchestra going the whole time through? It's very dramatic, but <laughs> yeah. nothing. You know what I mean? Like a Hans Zimmer kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of thing. And it's good and it takes skill to do all of that, of course. But I think, yes, I think now people equate television and cinema, you know, equally in, mm-hmm. in a lot of respects. And I think, yeah, you're right. It has, one has affected the other. Yeah. Not the only one that can make uh, good points there, Dan. <laughs> well, I beg to differ. What do you 
kind of do you kind of see the this film score industry going in a certain direction in the years to come? Any any predictions or anything like that? Uh, I would say with the current state of technology technological advancement, I would say that within ten years it will all be synthesized. The need for real people and orchestras is diminishing a lot day by day. Costs obviously are are a big factor. So if I and a lot of my work is generating mock orchestra, so I do that in my computer in in my apartment, and mm. you know it costs them, you know, twenty times less than hiring an orchestra, and no one can tell the difference. Uh, like we were talking before, no one can tell the difference because now they're used to that. So that's yeah. that's the sound that sounds correct. So I think it's going to keep going in that direction. Whether it'll change artistically, uh, who knows? I mean, music, yeah, it can turn on a dime. So It seems a bit like, I don't know, getting rid of orchestras for film seems like a bit of a shame, but is it kind of the old argument of vinyl sounds better sort of thing? I mean, I think everything goes. I don't think film should just be orchestra or this. Or I think everything should be considered, but it's a shame when things aren't considered because of... Um, costs costs mm. and and um, marketing decisions that are based on things that I don't consider important you know art is not what we do anymore capitalism what we do and the product are movies and music you so know? what you're saying is fuck Disney <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> thank you I, I, yeah, yeah I should be more concise with my thoughts really just summed up a 30 minute podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah. in two words we could have just uh, started and ended with that actually um, well, although, to be fair, I mean, of all of my complaints, of all the movies that I do enjoy the music from, I think Disney would be, you know, they do allow the greatest level of um, creativity and freedom musically and artistically. Double-edged sword. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they, they hold the keys to the gates as well. So mm. it is, it's a tricky, it's a balancing act, you know. And as I say, my thing is not about everything is this or that or the other. It should be a balance, you know. Some should be this, some should be that, some should be the other. Uh, my my gripe is that everything is it's very homogenous now. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think with music, being a teacher, and I get a lot of students that come through mm. and making their own music, and with the internet, everything is available and everything sure. is valid. So if you want to write a, a piece of shit song on your phone mm. and put it up on SoundCloud, then you can do that. You never know. Maybe in five, ten years, maybe maybe independent film, and that's where the next wave. Like absolutely, perhaps it's another ten years away, and there's a whole new sound and a whole new uh, vibe. I mean, I guess if we take that and look backwards, we can certainly see that through yeah. history. So I, I, I assume it's going to continue that way. Absolutely. And the the film I just did, uh, it was the director was it was all old school Disney sort of stuff, and he was very specific. He wanted you know just the um, the real things, the big orchestral over you know the overdone orchestra sort of thing. Yeah, nice. Which is nice. You know, I thought okay, well, I, but again, not everything should be like that. You know that we'd all get sick of that if everything was like mm. that. But I want a bit of you know, bit of everything. But yeah, uh, I heard someone say once or recently, uh, the music industry is going through the phase which we call the death of melody, and that's uh, the most depressing thing I've ever heard. I, I know. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't think I need to give many examples of commercial pop music that can you know exemplify that. However, there's nothing wrong with that approach. As I say, it's just when everything is like that, mm. that's, that's a problem for me because teaching students and uh, 
uh, uh, you know, the, the young crew coming through. That's what they hear. I had a student today. Um, Name names. <laughs> no, she said, oh, can you show me something you've produced? And mm-hmm. I did. I put some tracks on and she's like, oh, so, you know, you produce, but you don't, you're not really being creative. <laughs> So what do you mean? Oh, well, you know, you're not making beats and stuff. And I said, oh, oh no. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's, uh, then you, and then you were like, when did I become an old man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Just punch me in the other one. I yeah. Know. No, I use guitars, unfortunately. So guitars. Yeah. Get with the times. I thought you were going to say that you showed her one of my songs and she was like, this is just trash. So, well, that might be a good point to wrap up. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to plug on the way out? What have you, what have you got coming up? Anything you'd uh, like to okay. share? Okay, guitar solo album coming. Uh, every, everything we've talked about, is gonna, it's going to be a festival of music. So that's coming out early uh, 2020. Nice. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, I'll be on the Spotify. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Cormican on Spotify. And, word, on word. The, and you're on the Twitter as well, aren't you? I'm on the Twitter. I, I tweet occasionally. You should get an Instagram. Instagram's the best one. All right. Will you take a photo of me? I'll take exactly one photo of you. Thank you very much. We only have so many megabytes th- on this show. <laughs> one uh. of the first photos of my phone is of you, actually. It's one of the first uh, iPhone pictures I ever took. Oh, I'm, I'm flattened. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Troy Nababan. Where? On Instagram, on, on Instagram. Twitter, com. Throw my name into Google and some rude words and see what pops up. And you can find this show, That Sucks, by Handshake Media on iTunes, Spotify, all that jazz. Check out the other shows on the network. Matter of Faction, Two Truths and a Lie. The Green Room, the latest episode featuring the Amity Affliction. So get onto that. Mm. ASAP, Why couldn't we please. get them? We have a better guest. I can't agree more. See? Exactly. <laughs> so there we, there we have it. Radical. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. That sucks. Peace. Oh,